Get ready for the smartest bundle in streaming. Six streaming services for the intellectually curious. Featuring Curiosity Stream with the best collection of documentary films and TV shows. Psalm TV and great stories from the world of wine. Taste Made for the fun side of food and travel. Topic with the best thrillers and crime stories. And so much more. From nature to history, technology to food, mystery to adventure. Get six streaming services for one low price. And less than $6 a month, it's the best deal in streaming. Learn more and sign up now at SmartBundle.com. Years ago, when I was 11, I was staying home alone with only my little brother, who was 7. At that time, it was about 9 p.m., dark and pouring rain, and we were reading in our room, right next to the front door, with a big window and open blinds. That's when I hear the front doorbell ring, followed by knocking. I thought my parents had arrived, strange though that they didn't use the garage or their keys. I looked outside to see their car, nothing but rain. As I approach the door, I hear a man's voice that was not my father's yell through the torrent. Would you like some cookies? We're selling Girl Scout cookies. I'm shocked at this, considering the weather and time of day. Saying nothing, I check the peephole and peer through the side window, only to see it was not a father with his girl as I expected. My heart dropped. Standing there was just a fully grown man in his late fifties, no box of cookies in sight, soaking on my doorstep. I can remember the gut-wrenching feeling of having to check the locks while he was right on the other side. For sure he heard this. The two locks were the only things separating myself and brother from a potential monster. He continued to knock and mention his cookies as I considered calling the cops. That's when I remembered the blinds were open in my room where my brother was, with the light on. As I turn the corner into the doorway, I see the man carefully peering into our window possibly eyeing my brother, distracted in his book. My heart was pounding now as I began to panic. In a move that took all of my willpower, I quickly turned off the lights and ran over to the window to close the blinds, and told my brother to go hang out in one of the big closets in the interior of the house. No windows. I didn't tell him what was going on so he wouldn't be frightened, and for some reason I never did call the cops or my parents. I just waited in the hallway until he left. Still thinking about it gives me shivers, that so many things could have gone wrong that night. My worst fear since is a stranger getting to the unlocked door before I do. So a bit of backstory. I'm 18, female from the UK. This happened in February 2019. I was 17 at the time. I got set up on a semi-blind date. We had seen photos of each other by a mutual friend and this guy we will call Cameron. He was 19. Cameron seemed like your average guy, maybe a little into video games and anime and stuff, but overall nothing my friend told me about him seemed off in any way. Our mutual friend gave us each other's numbers and we texted for a night and decided to meet in a Starbucks the next day, since we were both free. I never liked to meet new people this soon, but I figured since Cameron knew my friend, it couldn't possibly go wrong. How mistaken I was. I arrived slightly early, ordered my coffee since I never like guys to feel they have to buy for me, and parked up on a seat facing away from the door and pulled out my book. I may be there for 15 minutes, chilling out, and I get a text saying he's here. So I'm like, great, I'm at X table. I feel a presence over my shoulder and I turn my head slightly in acknowledgement. He must be here. 
Before I even get the chance to squeak out a hello, his lips latch onto my neck and he starts sucking on my neck. Now, I don't like people touching my neck at the best of times. I'm very ticklish and I get super uncomfortable by people even touching my neck. A few times I've had massages or hair treatments, I've been holding in my discomfort, and he's latched onto my neck like a leech, and this man smells horrendous, kind of like dust personified. I freak out and elbow his chest to get him the hell off of me. He lets go and looks at me with this weird expression on his face and laughs in deadpan. It's really, really creepy, and I start to become alarmed. I asked him what the hell that was, and he just says, I thought it was cute. Cute? In what world? I try to have a conversation. I'm like, okay, first impressions don't mean anything. Let's try and give him a chance. But he's just creepily staring at my chest. He says, wow, I didn't know Asians could have boobs like those. I better not let you go. Direct quote. I cannot make this up. I'm distinctly uncomfortable, but I don't want to just run away. He's giving me really weird vibes. So I go into the ladies room and wait for someone else to come in. I ask her to help me get out undetected. I don't want this man following me home or something. She of course agrees and she lends me her hat and scarf. It is February in the UK after all. And we come out of the bathroom together and she manages to help sneak out of the back door of the Starbucks without him noticing me. He asked my friend where I went, but I told my friend to never mention me again. I was too terrified. I know I probably didn't behave well. I should have just told him I was leaving, but I was honestly just scared. So let me get a couple things straight. Our little village was the kind of place where everyone knows everyone. And I could count the amount of houses on two hands. We were a really quiet and close-knit community, and nothing ever happened there proper out-in-the-stick stuff. One night a few years ago, my mom and my dad had gone out to this concert and left me in charge of my little brother and the dog. I wasn't very old, maybe about 14, and I felt really proud that my parents trusted me enough to do that. I thought I was a pretty cool big brother, and I thought we'd be doing cool babysitter stuff like staying up late, eating pizza, etc. I'm kind of glad we did, because I don't know what would have happened if we didn't. At about 10.30, the power cut out. I didn't think anything of it, because the weather hadn't been great lately, and I figured that hadn't had something to do with it. I got some candles out of the cupboard and lit them, and put some of our favorite songs on. And as soon as I sat back down, Sonny, my little brother, turned to me, and being the weird little kid he was, told me very calmly that someone was outside. I was a little perturbed by him, but the dog hadn't done anything, so I presumed it was just the neighbors or something. He just shrugged and went back to his drawings. There's a running joke in our house that you don't need a clock with the dog around, because he is such a creature of habit that he will consistently get up at exactly the same time every night to tell you that it's time to initiate his nightly go-to-bed protocol. It was about three quarters of an hour after the power went out, when my dog decided that now was the time. I told Sonny to go get the dog his biscuit while I let him out for a piss. Now our kitchen is an extension to the original house, and so as such, has a flat roof that's competitively low to the ground compared to the rest of the house, and offers easy access to the bathroom window. As I open the door so the dog could do his thing, Sonny pushes past me in the doorway and whispers, 
I know you're out here. I'm calling the police. As he turned around, with the biggest, proudest smile you have ever seen on his face, there was a very distinct rustling coming from just above the doorway. I don't think I'll ever forget the way Sonny's face dropped when he looked just above my head. I looked up. The man sitting on the roof above me panicked, tried to kick me and then ran off into the next door's garden, and presumably into the cornfield surrounding our village. I was scared as hell, and Sonny was bawling his eyes out. I ushered him inside as quickly as I could and got a knife from the kitchen. We both went to his room, and I told him to try and get some sleep while I waited for our parents to come back. It was an agonizingly long four hours before they did. My stepdad immediately went outside to check to see if everything was alright. I heard them talking about how something had smashed the fuse box. Obviously we called the police, but they didn't come until later that day. They did a search of the immediate premises and found a makeshift bed in a nearby disused barn along with pictures of silhouettes of us in the shower through the frosted glass. I think it's pretty safe to say the whole experience definitely shook us up. We moved out as soon as we could, but I still shut curtains whenever I can, and I see shadows underneath every door I see. Sonny keeps quiet about it, but I'm not sure if that's just because his brain has cut it out or what. This happened when I was about 11 years old. I lived in a typical North American suburb. I was out riding my bike and had some money in my pocket. My brother was at home and a little sad that day, so when I heard the distant tune of Do Your Ears Hang Low, which was clearly from an ice cream truck, I sped on my bike to track it down and buy some ice cream to take to my brother. I finally caught up to it. The man in the ice cream truck looked different than the old man who we were used to in my neighborhood. He was early 20s, frizzy, Napoleon Dynamite-esque hair, before that movie came out by the way, and oddly his van had no markings. It was clean and looked like the same model as other ice cream trucks, even had the loudspeaker on top. But even to my 11-year-old self, it was odd enough for me to be hesitant. I asked if he had the Spongebob ice cream with the gumball eyes, my brother's favorite. He said that he didn't know all the ice cream he had in the back, but I could check. I hesitate for a moment, and he says, Look man, I'm kind of in the middle of the road here. I have to move. I'm going to turn up here and you can climb in the back and pick out the ice cream you want. He pointed left down a street that was being developed. There were only unoccupied in-progress houses with dumpsters in front and construction equipment everywhere. I definitely did not want to go with him down that cul-de-sac where no one could see us, so I ran. I dropped my bike, I still wonder why I didn't just jump back on the bike, and ran maybe a quarter mile home. I immediately told my mom and dad who were sitting on the porch. My mom calls the cops and my dad gets in his car to find that van. I chill in my room and tell my brother the story. My dad finally found him. At a neighborhood pool parking lot, he was trying to lure two preteen girls into his van with the same tactic, when a concerned citizen sitting in their car in the parking lot blocked the exit and signaled a cop. I guess nothing came of it, because when I try to google my town and keywords that could pertain to this incident, nothing comes up. I'm not traumatized at all, but sometimes I wonder how things could have ended up. It could have simply been a dude trying to make some extra money on the side but who was too lazy to get up and get the ice cream himself. 
It could have been a dude who simply gets thrills from scaring kids, but it could have been so much worse. My family still thinks it's funny to hum the tune of Do Your Ears Hang Low when I'm around. I find it humorous. But, to the possible sex criminal who wanted me to get into his van, I'm glad we never met again. I've been doing my one hour of outdoor exercise at night because I find it most relaxing. My neighborhood is very quiet and I'm lucky to live in a nice area, which I've always considered super safe. I used to walk at night even before lockdown because I live right next to a canal so there are lots of nice paths that are super pretty at night when everything is all lit up by the moon. Anyway, I was walking last night and decided to go to the shop first because I was hungry and then detoured back to my usual route along the canal. When I was walking I heard two guys speaking super loudly in German. I live in England so it was a bit unusual but not anything I thought twice about. They looked around 30, pretty tall, and they had caps on, which I remember because they had matching designs, which I thought was funny. They started getting really close, and when I glanced back to look at them, they started jeering, so I knew they were looking at me, which kind of freaked me out. So I sped walked towards the shop, but had to stop at the road. I wasn't planning on getting hit by a car. They caught up with me, but didn't stop for the lights to change, just walked across and went into the store I was headed for. So I shrugged off my hunger and decided just to go to the canal for my walk. I stopped thinking about the men soon after, chalking it up to being a generally anxious person. I don't particularly like walking past strangers at night, and I'm self-conscious enough as it is without them talking to or about me. Anyway, I complete my walk and I'm headed back home. For the story to make sense, I need to describe where I stood. On my right there is the water itself. I'm stood on the path, and to my left there's a big drop that goes straight onto the main road. Next to that road there's a row of houses. There is a railway bridge in front of me. I have my earphones in and my music is pretty loud, but I think I hear someone shouting so I take one earphone out and listen, but it's pretty silent apart from passing cars on the road below me. That's when I see two men heading towards the bridge and I immediately recognized them as the two guys who had jeered at me before from their caps. I stop walking as my anxiety floods back and consider phoning somebody because I irrationally think if I'm on the phone when they walk past me, they won't bother me. But despite the fact I've been stood frozen for ages, nobody comes out from under the bridge. I wait, staring at the bridge for a while in complete confusion because there's no way they could have just vanished. I can see through to the other side of the bridge so I knew they didn't turn around and walk away or anything, but they certainly hadn't walked through because no one passed me. After a few moments I start to think I hallucinated them or something. I have no history of hallucinations, but I couldn't explain it any other way. So I started slowly walking towards the mouth of the bridge, and just as I'm about to step in it, I see it, the shadow of the men cast across the wall. My blood literally ran cold as I realized what was going on. They were waiting for me at the other side of the bridge, but they must have hidden behind the abutment so I wouldn't see them. My mind went to a million different places panicking about what they would do if I walked under that bridge. I was convinced that they'd just follow me. If I stayed where I was and phoned for help, I was certain they'd come out to see what was going on and I'd be trapped. 
I did the only thing I could think to do. I quietly ran to the fence that separated the canal path from the drop to the main road and climbed it. It was only about thigh height, and on the other side, there was a small space before the wall and drop itself. I waited for a couple of moments as the cars passed, but thankfully I live in a quiet area so the road was soon empty. I managed to navigate myself so I could lower myself off of the drop without A, making much noise, or B, hurting myself too much. And the moment my feet hit the road, I raced to the side where the houses were and sped walked down the path as fast as I could without making noise, only glancing back when I was nearing the end of the road. The men were still there next to the bridge. I could see that they were looking through the bridge to see where I had gotten to. I felt sick and terrified, but I made it home. I don't know what they wanted. I don't know who they were or if they'll be there again tonight, but I do know I'm not going to be walking at night for a very long time. I grew up in a small town and I could walk and play a couple blocks from home but only with the company of one of my older brothers, and later our family dog, a super protective Rottweiler mix, when I was older. I was never allowed to leave the house by myself because my parents didn't want anything happening to me. There was a well-known neighborhood creep, old man, probably 60 or so in age, that lived alone in a house on the street adjacent to ours. In the house next to his lived a couple that were good neighbors and great friends of my parents. Let's call them the Smiths. They were about the same age as my parents and loved children, but they couldn't have any of their own. My parents had seven biological kids and four non-biological kids. I was the youngest. There are a few incidents where I remember running into the neighborhood creep. One being when I was at the corner gas station with one of my brothers and he came up behind me, smelled my hair and told my brother I was cute. Another when I was riding with my dad in his truck and the guy flagged down my dad and asked him if I was his, my dad's, wife. I was 10 at the time. He was a major creep, but there's one incident that will always stick with me. Me and my siblings would occasionally go over to the Smith's house because they were really nice, loved us, and would let us swim in their pool. We didn't have one. They would also pay us for doing small odd jobs. They sometimes would watch me for my parents, as most of my siblings were teenagers with a lot of extracurricular activities. And one day my brother and I went over to the Smith's house. My brother was in charge of watching me that day, and Mr. Smith offered my brother some money to help him move some stuff out to the front of their house for a yard sale and to help them sell things. While the yard sale was going on, I was sitting on their front porch playing with my Barbie doll. A few people had came and went, my brother and Mr. Smith went inside to go through more stuff to sell. Mrs. Smith was busy trying to help someone who was buying things. Then along came the neighborhood creep. He looked around a bit, trying to seem interested in buying stuff, and then he came up to me, bent down, touched my hair, and said, How much for you? I was incredibly shy as a child. I would cry if strangers even waved at me. This man literally made me piss myself, and I immediately started crying and screamed repeatedly for my brother. Mr. Smith and my brother came running outside, and all I remember was my brother picking me up and carrying me home, while Mr. Smith tried to figure out what happened. 
This happened to me about two years ago now, but I think about it a lot. Even to this day, I get so scared when I think about it and what might have happened if my dad wasn't there. During this time, I was going to grad school in Texas and visiting my family in Kansas City. I had just finished my visit and was driving back to Texas. I started my drive and about an hour in, I got a flat tire. I called my dad and he told me to call roadside assistance and he'd be there with the AAA card as soon as he could. He got there, roadside assistance put my spare on and we went off to the nearest Walmart to get all my tires replaced. The nearest Walmart was about 20 miles away as we were in a pretty rural part of Kansas. I was following my dad driving about 55 miles per hour since I was on a spare. There weren't a lot of cars on the highway, basically just me and my dad. My dad was a little bit ahead of me, so I don't think it was apparent I was following him. Somewhere along the drive, I noticed a dark colored SUV behind me. He was flashing his lights at me, swerving onto the shoulder and then back into his lane, accelerating so he was really close to my car and then would fall back a bit. From the time I noticed him, he did this about four or five miles, which is a really long time when you're in the moment. I was about to call my dad because I felt like this guy was incredibly strange. Like I said, it was a pretty rural area, and there were no cars around. If this guy was upset I was driving slowly, he could have just gotten into the left lane and passed me. But he continued to flash his lights, tailgate me, and swerve onto the shoulder. At this point, my dad saw what was happening, took an exit, and parked on the shoulder of the exit. I followed. This exit was not the one we needed to take. It was a rural exit onto a gravel road, and I don't think it's used very frequently. Lo and behold, the guy followed me as well. I pulled behind my dad, he was already out of his car with his arms in the air saying what the hell. At this point, I think the guy finally realized that I wasn't truly alone. He slowed down, looked at both of us, and hesitated for a second. And then he took a hard left onto the gravel road and took off. At this point, I thought about trying to get his license plate, but I was too late. The dust from the gravel road made it impossible to see his license plate. I still kicked myself for not looking at his license plate sooner. I know this may not be as scary as some others, but this situation really scared me. We called the police to report it, but there's not much they could do since we didn't have a license plate number. However, I did learn that if I'm ever in this situation again to call Highway Patrol, not 911. When you're on the highway, you travel through so many jurisdictions that it's better just to call Highway Patrol directly. Maybe common sense, but it wasn't something I had thought of before. Since that day, I have the number for Highway Patrol on my phone, in case I ever need to use it. <laughs>